And uh, if he tries to give one of the hijabis a hug, she'll politely decline. I am joined by, and I'm delighted to say that I am joined by the amazingly talented Osama Dorias. Asalaamu Alaikum, Osama. Wa Alaikum, Osama. You're too kind. I don't deserve that intro. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Shaf? I'm really happy to be here. We've been following you to the, on Twitter for a while now, and I'm a huge fan of the work you do. Likewise. I'm a huge fan of the recess as well. So that's how we originally kind of got speaking was just through the risk test project. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole of representation of Muslims on in video games. And your name is everywhere in every <laughs> conference. <laughs> uh, it's actually a passion of mine. I, uh, uh, for obvious reasons, um, I've been in the industry for about 13 years now and, uh, I have to tell you that things have changed a lot in terms of, uh, the topic of Muslims and games. It's um, uh, both in terms of uh, representation within the games as in video game characters and accommodations within video game uh, settings or studios. Uh, mostly the biggest change that I felt uh, throughout the time is that people are more willing to talk about it now. Uh, years and years ago, I used to always apply to speak about the topic. Actually, no, that's not true. If I go all the way back at the beginning, um, I didn't feel comfortable speaking about it. But the milieu, the environment didn't really accommodate uh, talks of diversity or inclusion in general, let alone Muslim uh, topics. Uh, and so I kept quiet and tried to only have an influence within my uh, small circle of influence within the studio. And then eventually, uh, when the topic of diversity and inclusion became more widespread, uh, I started applying to give talks at different conferences. And even then, I would get rejections year after year, year after year. And then finally, one conference took a chance and allowed me to, to come and give me a, a platform to speak about the subject. And it went extremely well. And because of that, it opened up the floodgates and many different conferences started inviting me. I think part of the problem, which makes complete sense, is people were afraid of what I might say and didn't want to give me a platform in case I said, quote unquote, the wrong thing. So all it took was for one, um, one uh, conference to take a chance. Uh, and then they saw, hey, okay, this is so bad after all. And that, uh, you know, paved the way. Alhamdulillah. And I'm, of course, not the only person who speaks on this subject. I'm only speaking about my own experience. Absolutely. And not only do you speak at conferences, you spoke at the conference, right, in video games. So for those who don't know, can you tell everyone what the GDC is? This is like the conference, the game developer <laughs> conference. Exactly. It's literally called the Game Developers Conference. And it takes place uh, once a year, uh, more, most recently in San Francisco. And uh, it accommodates approximately 50,000 game developers every year. It, it, like, it really is the most prestigious uh, game conference. And uh, alhamdulillah, after giving this presentation in a few other smaller conferences, uh, eventually the GDC did accept that I would give the presentation there. And that talk uh, actually is available online if you just type Muslim representation in games 
uh, I believe it's the first thing that pops up on both Google and YouTube. Uh, and uh, it's, it's about a 30-minute presentation, alhamdulillah, in front of uh, 300 of my peers, uh, some of which were Muslim as well. There were Muslims in attendance. I guess we were curious to see what I would say on the topic. Uh, but the vast majority being developers who are not of the Muslim faith. First of all, you speak very eloquently on this subject. But then and on the other hand, it's, it obviously helped that you were from the industry and you have so much experience. I mean, something we didn't cover at the beginning is that you're a senior games de designer at Warner Brothers Canada, right? Actually, I'm the lead game designer. I've had a promotion about a year ago. But oh, I didn't update. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't update that everywhere. I guess I'm a little behind. But uh, yeah, at Warner Brothers Games in uh, Montreal. Uh, not only that, but you're the coordinator of the video game program at Dawson College. I was the former coordinator. The former coordinator. <laughs> okay, so my information is slightly out of date. Slightly out of date. Yes, I I, I was a coordinator of the video game programs for ten years up until. Uh, I actually, it coincides with when I got the promotion as a lead game designer at Warner Brothers where I stepped down and I became just a teacher at uh, the Dawson Video Game Programs. But I co-authored the program. I actually uh, wrote the uh, curriculum for the independent game design program at Dawson College. That's fantastic. And also, I hope this is still the case. You're the co-founder of the Montreal Independent Games Festival as well. That's right. Uh, we are we rebranded. We're called the Montreal Independent Game Awards now. But we've been running for about five years. So with all of that kudos behind you and a history of speaking about this at other conferences, you got invited to the GDC and you gave this amazing talk. And the title is A How-To Guide for Muslim Representation in Video Games. And many people listening right now might not even realise that Muslim representation in video games is even a thing. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to give this talk? Well, I won't say that there's necessarily just one thing. There are many things that uh, accumulated towards it. Uh, one of the first is actually, uh, I've you, you've mentioned that I'm a geek. I am. I've been a geek since I was extremely young uh, and so from a very young age. And on top of that, uh, I've always kind of been a game dev. I just never really thought of it as a career path. And that, that's part of it. That's part of a, a big reason of why I want to talk about this. Um, what, I have memories of when I was extremely young creating games that and writing out the rules so that my brothers and sisters would play these games with me. Uh, I have a vivid memory of asking my father when he ordered pizza for us to ask for an empty pizza box. Like he was completely confused. He didn't understand why I would want that. And when the, I received the pizza box, I went about creating a board game inside the pizza box. So it's both a box and a game. And when you open the, the lid of the box, you, you'd find all the pieces already included. You play your game, then you close the box. And I had this idea when I was maybe 11 years old. Uh, and I, I, I used to organize sporting events and tournaments and things like that. Uh, I created levels for uh, classic games like Doom and Duke Nukem 3D. Um, and eventually, I actually even started making Flash games uh, so I've always made games, even before I was in the industry. And the shocking thing is um, I've, I only considered becoming a game designer after university. Uh, when I, whenever I, I used to get around uh, the topic of how did you, when did you know? This is a question that a lot of uh, game devs ask themselves. When did you know? When did you know that you wanted to be uh, a game designer? Almost all of them give you, oh, when, I, when my father bought me the Atari or the Nintendo. When I was six years old, I knew. I knew this is something I, that, that I wanted to do. For me, I knew when one of my friends, an adult at the time, got a job as a game designer, and he was Muslim. And that was the first time I considered 
that as a career path. It was just the, the lack of Muslim representation in that field didn't like didn't make it obvious to me that this was a valid career path, even though it was a hobby that I loved and I was passionate about. And that that if if I had to narrow it down to one reason more than anything else, it would be that. But of course, it's not just one reason. There are a lot of accumulation of different reasons. Um, one of which, another one of which, at uh, one of the first companies I worked for, uh, we had to create a game which was, uh, without naming the game, it was a clone of uh, Call of Duty. So to give you an idea of what kind of game we're talking about. It's like a first-person shooter type thing. Yes, and it's uh, based in a ambiguous Middle Eastern, Southeast Asian country. And of course, the the antagonists were, the, the, the word Islam or Muslims never came up, but clearly, visibly, that's who they were supposed to be. There were brown people who kind of, uh, who spoke like what the, the best impression of uh, us that a white person can, can make. And that's how, that, that's really how they spoke. Uh, and at one point, someone dawned on them that, hey, we have an Arab among us. Maybe we could ask him to voice one of the characters. Uh, of course, Arab is how you pronounce it, but Arab is how <laughs> it was said. Uh, and so I was asked to do that. And I took a huge issue with the dialogue. The person was, uh, the, the, I, they asked me to, uh, to uh, voice the main antagonist of the, uh, uh, of the game. And, I wanted to change the dialogue really badly. I'm like, look, you know what? You could even set him up as an American hating, uh, you know, foreigner. Like all this, I know I have no control in changing anyway, but at least let me tweak the language to make it a little bit believable. That's the, like, it's, it's such a low hanging fruit. And I had resistance even there. And I realized to what level uh, my own coworkers were oblivious to to stereotypes. And, uh, and so I started talking to them about it more and, that didn't really help. Uh, they would say things like, oh, you're one of the good Muslims. Oh, you're an exception. Things like, I'm sure many Muslims have heard before from their non-Muslim coworkers and friends. And um, that irked me. And before, like, it was when I was a junior in the industry and I was keeping my head low and I didn't say anything and I laughed along with everybody else uh, because I felt like I had to. I felt dirty and I didn't like that feeling at all, but I felt like it was what I needed to do to keep my job or to, like, not, to to keep, you know, uh, to to keep working in this industry. And at the point that this was happening, I, I was an intermediate. So I had a little bit more clout, uh, a little bit more voice, and I, I felt more comfortable to start speaking up and addressing these issues. And thankfully, that same franchise right now, uh, they do have antagonists, and no, they're not uh, Muslim-looking. They are just from everywhere in the world. They're more like uh, Cobra from G.I. Joe, if anyone's old enough to remember that cartoon, where it's just like <laughs> a mishmash of people from all over the place, which is like a way better uh, uh, a way better uh, approach and uh, even to this day new new uh, iterations of the franchise that i have nothing to do with and i have had not ha- haven't had anything to do with for years have uh, moved in that direction and that kind of um showed me that i, I have an influence at the time it was a small influence over one studio but i had a, an, an influence i can make a positive change talking about it can make a difference and that's when i put together the how-to guide uh, and I 
my first step with the how-to guide is because like the problem, one of the, hesi- the, the reasons I was a little bit hesitant to talk about this is because I don't speak for all Muslims and I know I don't speak for all Muslims. Um, nobody, no Muslim does, right? So what I did is I actually created the how-to guide and I went to other Muslims who worked in the gaming industry and I only presented it to them and I sourced their opinions. A lot of the points that we have, that I have in, in the presentations are actually from other people. And I mentioned that at the beginning of every, every time I give the, that presentation, I say this is you know, sourced from a lot of different people. And I also say, I make the statement that not all Muslims are the same. And if a Muslim tells you otherwise, then we are both right. And that's, it's as simple as that, right? I love that. I love that line, actually. You say that, in, you. You say, you say that in the presentation that this is what I say, and I don't speak on behalf of everyone. And if a Muslim on your team says X, then they're right as well. I love that line. Thank you. And that's actually what gave me the courage to be able to give this presentation without feeling like I was speaking for uh, a quarter of the population of the world, right? Which is, would, is a lot of responsibility and it's not fair to either myself or to the, like every Muslim in the world. And actually, this was great. On top of that, I... Um, through presenting it to a lot of different Muslims and getting their feedback and sincerely making a, a change, a, a lot of other Muslims started giving similar presentations in their studios um, and, uh, and whatnot. One other thing that you didn't mention that I do is I'm also the president of the uh, Muslims in Games Special Interest Group uh, for the IGDA, the International Game Developers Association. Uh, I, I'm, I'm the chair of the, the association, um, and that actually started – uh, around the same time that I gave the, the my GDC talk, uh, and we're going strong. Alhamdulillah, our numbers are growing, and uh, we we still have a lot of uh, different initiatives that we're we're trying to get off uh, the ground. But the important part is we have a safe space within uh, the the, uh, the the biggest institution that that represents Muslims in video games, uh, they, they, we have, they amplify our voice and they give us uh, some authority. And we're working on uh, finding ways to use that to better our station, uh, both for accommodations and for representation. Inshallah, maybe we'll even find different venues uh, to, to further our cause. Uh, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked a bit. I don't remember the original question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's fantastic. Really, you kind of discussed a few really important points there. Because first of all, I love your origin story. I love the story of those pizza box board games. <laughs> and in terms of how you've navigated yourself through your career, because there's so many parallels to be drawn in the world of cinema and movies and you've had to navigate your the world of video games perhaps you know influencing things where where possible but as your voice has been amplified over the years you've established yourself you are now in a position where you can speak truth to power essentially exactly and that's why i don't judge anyone i start off from a position where i um i assume everybody has Good intentions, and uh, either if Muslims are on your team and they haven't spoken up, it's because uh, they were in a similar situation than I was before. I'll just assume that. Uh, if someone misrepresents Muslims uh, or even like doesn't uh, accommodate Muslims in the workplace, I assume it's out of ignorance. I, I don't uh, take on a tone of judgment whatsoever. The intention is to educate so that things get better, uh, and I think that actually gives way better results than shaming people. Uh, and what I want is to open up 
a dialogue. I don't want people to be afraid to make a mistake. I want them to try to do the right thing. And if they fail, we'll correct them and we'll move on. And that's going to yield better results than people afraid to include us, afraid to talk to us. Uh, that, that's what got us in this mess to begin with. It's that fear. The, and and the, there's been a couple of scandals that's happened revolving around Muslims in the video game industry because of uh, this fear. Uh, one of them that, uh, the, the, that happened not too long ago, I guess. It's about, how long ago now? When did Little Big Planet come out? I'd have to look that oh, up. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's going back now probably to 2010, 2011, maybe? That, that sounds about right. Uh, but I remember at the time when Little Big Planet came out, uh, one of the soundtracks had uh, a Muslim author who uh, apparently in the lyric included... Uh, a verse of the Quran that he sang alongside his other poetry. And when that came to light, Sony, without consulting Muslims, I'm, I'm not saying this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do in, in the action itself, but I'm saying without consulting Muslims, without finding out if this is okay or not, as a precaution, delayed the launch of Little Big Planet and removed that song by a Muslim author. Uh, and because of that, there was backlash against Muslims on the internet. That just lasted a week because that really was a, a short delay in retrospect. Mm -hmm. But all that, the, the problem was nobody complained. Like they, they couldn't, they, there wasn't a single person, a single Muslim who raised his voice and said, this is not right. Uh, and if, if there had been, that's a different conversation. Or if they had consulted with Muslims, that's a different conversation. But none of that happened. Fear paralyzed them, and they said, oh, we're just going to cut it all out. We're not even going to, like, they didn't edit the song. They didn't add a patch. They didn't ask if it's okay to release the game and patch it later uh, so as not to, they just knee-jerk reaction fear. And I'm not judging them. Actually, the, the idea that they would react so not to offend Muslims is, is praiseworthy. The, the entire situation uh, isn't uh, a fail situation. It's just it shows what, what a company will do uh, or what an entity will do to avoid any kind of uh, consequence or any kind of risk. All that could have potentially been avoided uh, by just simply reaching out. And the industry didn't allow for that then. At this point right now, hopefully things have changed and progressed. Uh, I, and so praising them for their reaction uh, in the sense that they wanted to to make sure not to offend Muslims is great, but maybe it would have been better to talk to Muslims and see if there was something else that could have been done. I don't know if you agree with me. <laughs> well, I know I, I agree wholeheartedly with you because essentially they 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 chose the nuclear option. Look, just stop it. Just, re just, just cut it out. Uh, we don't want to offend, we don't want to cause any issues, but really th there was a very comfortable middle ground that they could have found. Um, and just just so before we carry on, 2008, I've just checked it, it's 2008. Oh, yes, that makes sense. Makes That's me a, very old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like it was uh, not that long ago, but mm. I guess I, I was wrong. <laughs> no, but and, and something you talk about is that there are such things as well-meaning mistakes that lots of developers fall into. And and perhaps this was a mistake they made kind of through not consulting. And I know you don't like calling it ignorance or kind of up and up, um, giving it a, a negative label. You, you assume the best in people's intentions. So that's where the well-meaning mistake comes from, right? And you called it the ham sandwich moment. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's exactly it. That's the, 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 I, I always, uh, the, uh, the, the ham sandwich for people who don't understand the context is from a story that I had from 
when I was young, I went to over to a friend's house and his uh, mother made us lunch and of course offered me a sandwich and it was a ham sandwich. And you can't fault her for, for doing that, of course, because she didn't know that I don't, don't eat ham at that point or that I don't eat pork. And it was a well-intentioned mistake and one that we have to address accordingly. We have to smile and say, I'm sorry, I can't eat this. Not get angry and retaliate or, or insult or anything like that. That, that, that. that sounds ridiculous to us. So when um, developers make mistakes or when I, I, other creatives make mistakes, we should really approach it the, the, the same way, especially if their intentions are, are clearly right. But even when they're not, we could assume the best, at least initially. Uh, otherwise, what's going to happen is behind the scenes, people are going to be too afraid to try. And if they're too afraid to try, we're going to have a problem where we're not going to be represented except by people who don't care. And like people who might even be malicious in their intent, who want to, to uh, uh, misrepresent us. Uh, thankfully, that number of people, we feel, I feel personally that it's shrinking uh, exponentially. Uh, I'm glad about that. Uh, but in the past, that's why we were so misrepresented in Hollywood and so misrepresented in, uh, in video games compared to now where we're seeing a slight uh, uh, like uh, improvement uh, in some in some mediums and an enormous one in others. You're making a really great point there, but I will challenge you a little bit. When it comes to games, huge blockbuster games such as Call of Duty, which we, we both know is pretty horrendous when it comes to the representation of Muslims, you've got Modern, modern Warfare 1, Modern Warfare 2, Black Ops, all of which are really horrendous examples of representation of Muslims. What do you say to that? Is that just as simple as the art representing the world we live in? Or is it more than meets the eye there? It's, it's really hard to tell, but I approach it the same way, even though I don't necessarily believe everybody has the same intent. And uh, uh, what we show at the end of the day is at least a factor of our intent. Uh, if, if I'm asked to consult on any games like that, I will uh, straight up tell them when there's a problem and how they deal with it is their business. Uh, I believe personally that a lot of times these, these decisions come from the uh, top uh, and a lot of people who are making these games, the, they're just you know following uh, marching orders. Uh, not to excuse anyone, but like I said, I don't want to judge. I don't know where... The problem is with, with those specific games or that specific company. But yes, there's clearly uh, a problem with representation of Muslims, and I will call it out in the same breath. But at the same time, I, I'm not going to call out individuals who work for the company. I don't know. I, like We have no way of knowing exactly where the problem lies. Uh, I do know that a lot of these games are not specifically talking about Call of Duty, but a lot of first-person shooters are uh, expanding the roster of uh, antagonists. So I think overall, the industry is moving in the right direction, uh, when before, almost all of them had either zombies or Muslims <laughs> or Nazis, right? Now, yeah. like there's, there, there's a little bit more ambiguity in it, especially when it deals with uh, uh, more sci-fi elements. So that's good. And uh, uh, inshallah, it'll continue in that direction with the effort of Muslims in the industry. No, I, I certainly hope so. I remember going back to my uni days. I, my game of choice was Counter-Strike. Um, I was like, I was part of a Counter Strike uh, clan back in the day, and it's you become so desensitized to everything in the game, just in the game, and I think that's the that's the worry, isn't it? That you become desensitized to what you're actually doing in the game, 
And I think after playing Counter CS pre Steam, actually, just for the record, pre Steam, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's when the crosshair wasn't quite right. <laughs> and I got really good at that game. And I kind of had a moment where I kind of knew all the names of all the guns. And I thought, hang on, how my my artillery vocabulary was amazing. Yes. And I thought, hang on, this this is not this is not normal. No. Um, but and and that kind of leads on to an interesting point in terms of video game culture is culture of course absolutely and th that's why a lot of the work that we're doing is ab about representing muslims uh from all over the world as well because one of the most dangerous um problems that we have is that uh, Muslims are stereotyped to be just from a few different areas of the world that are uh, hotspots for different reasons and there's no positive representation and there's no variety in the representation uh, and it's easier to antagonize a uh, people, if you uh, believe that they're all mon uh, that they're monolithic in their in their beliefs and their cultures, and there's also no distinction between uh, belief and culture at all. They're grouped into one. So, like the the important part of representing Muslims uh, is showing the the humanity of Muslims and showing how how different, how diverse we are, and how by by seeing that people will understand that we are like them in more than we are un not like them. Right. Exactly. And that's an interesting point in terms of conflating religion, culture, and then the way that cultures are grouped together in fictionalized scenarios. And you call this Arabistan. <laughs> yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by Arabistan? <laughs> it's specifically a term I give to any location. Uh, it, usually in these first-person shooters and games uh, where it's unclear where it is. It could be any Arab country or any uh, Southeast Asian country, sometimes mixing words in different languages or uh, scenery from different countries that have nothing to do with each other. But they're all a mishmash of this war-torn, um, bullet-ridden uh, place that you know that's, uh, is unlivable. The problem, the really the big problem with uh, with that is it's the only image some people have of the Middle East or Southeast Asia. It's the only image they have is from these countries, and it desensitizes them to the real. Um, like if if we are talking about war torn areas, it desensitizes them to the loss of life there because they spend so much time in these environments shooting people. That to them, it's like it's it's just they, they they create this link between the deaths that are happening on TV and the deaths uh, that are happening in their game, and it doesn't seem real to them. And also, the other issue, the the bigger issue, is that they don't realize that there are real places around the world that are extremely different than what they're seeing in these video games that are not war-torn, that have people who are living happy lives. And if you don't see anyone living happily, then when you the image in your mind is always going to be of a war-torn place and you're, you're not going to feel, uh, you're not going to have empathy for anyone. You, like uh, The same concept exists in movies where if uh, a movie is extremely dark all the time and everyone is super depressed and uh, nobody is going to feel bad when that uh, protagonists are going to, when something bad happens to the protagonist because they haven't seen them, uh, like they haven't seen them be happy. And because of that, they can't imagine them to be happy and they just want their suffering to end and it's going to be, uh, it normalizes their death or their, their suffering. Uh, the, I don't necessarily usually call out examples, but uh, Terminator Salvation was like that for me, where it, 
was so bleak and dark. And even though I'm a big fan of Terminator uh, series in general, um, at the very end, they never showed them having a good time. And because of that, I, I, I lost all... Um, all uh, 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 empathy for them, and it's not something that I did intentionally. I actually stopped and wondered about the movie itself. Uh, yeah. Why is it that I don't care about the, the, the protagonists? Uh, why is it that uh, that I almost I'm not cheering for the Terminators? I, I wouldn't go to that extreme. <laughs> but but uh, at the very end, I, I don't have an emotional investment in, in their well-being and them and them surviving, and that's one of the reasons that why Arabistan as a concept, this uh, bullet-ridden uh, you know, uh, country that no good has ever been, that you have never seen uh, in a good state, why it, it becomes just the norm. And all these other countries, like people will lose empathy for Muslims and for um, other such, because like the, the concept also exists for the favelas and in South America or for the African country, you know, or other such um, locations that are, you know, perpetuated in, in, uh, in media. It's not unique to uh, Rabistan. It's like it, it, the concept is the other, the, like, right? That's, that's really what it boils down to. But the problem is we don't see people living a normal life caring for their family, um, you know, smiles and happiness at, at times that we, we care less about them. That's really what it boils down to. I agree. It's the otherization that's really troublesome and problematic. It's when a group of people are otherized and then dehumanize. That's really where the problem is. So we've discussed a few themes and games that have that are notoriously bad when it comes to representation. We've called out Call of Duty. Of course, is Assassin's Creed. I think we could talk for a good two hours on Assassin's Creed alone. But then... There are some pretty decent representations of Muslims in some games, and and there are some games in where the Muslims are just Muslim. They just happen to be Muslim. A few examples that you discuss are going back a little bit in the fighting games. You got the you got Hakan and Rashid in Street Fighter Four. In te- in the te- in the Tekken franchise, you've got Zafira and Shaheen. But when it comes to games like Overwatch, you have much better representation, right? Yes, I agree. Um, th- there's, uh, to be honest, the representation representation of Muslims that we usually ask people uh, to do in games is mostly just uh, represent people from Muslim countries. That's it. Like, do your research, hire a consultant, and get people from Muslim countries and address their religion in a similar way as you would address the religion of anyone else in your game. I.e., if you don't mention religion, the religion of anyone else, then don't mention Islam. And that's actually part of why it's important uh, uh, to, to have a consultant, because a consultant will tell you to do that. Uh, we, we want to normalize Muslims in Islam. So if we're the only ones who, who our religion is a banner on our foreheads wherever we walk around, uh, then that's actually bad as well. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like uh, that's, that's pretty much the consensus that we have. If you are talking about religion as a topic of the other characters, then do, do so for the Muslims and don't hide, uh, don't hide it as well. Uh, treat everybody the same. This is important because if you look at a game uh, like Deus Ex, for example, the, there's Farida Malik as a character in Deus Ex who was uh, described as being a devout Muslim uh, from Dearborn, Michigan. But there are a lot of other characters in that game and not a single one of them had any uh, indication of what religion they had. And that actually makes her stand out 
And that's not what this is about. This isn't about uh, having the token Muslim in your game. Like it's, it's really just about uh, normalizing and, and treating everybody to the same level. And Overwatch did a good job of that because it had uh, people from Muslim countries and it addressed them the same way. They had a, a woman, an older woman from Egypt who wore hijab and who spoke with an accent, a, a, a clearly Egyptian accent. She wasn't faking it at all. Uh, and that is a strong representation. Dropping the Muslim bomb is, is not as powerful as doing all that other work of actually uh, finding a, a, a voice actress who is age-appropriate, mind you, which is also very important, uh, but not the topic we're talking about. <laughs> but <laughs> finding a, a, a person who actually has the lived experience of your character and, and making that feel authentic, that's the kind of representation that Muslims feel. When you just take... Uh, Farida Malik was, I'm happy she exists. I'm happy that they said she was Muslim. It's, it's a little clumsy, but it wasn't a bad representation. It's just, sure. it's exactly that. It's clumsy. It felt, you hear it, you notice it, and it didn't feel like it fit in with the rest of the game because of that, because there was no other mention of religion anywhere else. Um, and uh, one of the, the games that did this pretty well recently was the Spider-Man game that came out on, on the PlayStation, where if you just walk around in the city you see uh hijabis and they're they're just there and there's no uh real clear uh, there's no there's nothing that's surprising about it it's just it's there they don't they're not brighter than anyone else there's no indicator on your ui that tells you that they're there they are they just exist we're just like muslims exist in new york city these uh, Muslims exist in, as NPCs in the city as well. And the one nod that I found pretty hilarious and, and fitting is that Spider-Man can actually interact with a lot of the people in the city with different emotes. And uh, if he tries to give one of the hijabis a hug, she'll politely decline. <laughs> and that's a little tiny Easter egg that, that speaks volumes and shows that there's respect. And if a Muslim would see that, they would be like, oh, wow, okay, that's a nice touch. And if a non-Muslim would see that, maybe they'd be curious and they'd look into it. And that is a lot more powerful than the tokenizing of Muslims too. Um, don't get me wrong. I take the tokens over the non-existence as long as, you know, uh, it's done respectfully or with good intentions, but there there are layers that of, of how well you can apply this, uh, and the, the proper uh, solution, really the proper approach that most Muslims in the industry I've spoken to have uh, have agreed with, is treat us like you would everyone else. That's what we want. We want to be included. Don't don't fear including us. If you hire consultants. Uh, you won't make a mistake because that's what consultants are there to, to make sure that you don't do. So don't fear including us. Uh, don't um, underline it as, as like a very uh, big deal. Like don't, you know, uh, un I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but like with the freedomatic example, don't, you know, uh, uh, don't signal it too strongly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's okay for it to just be in the background. I was playing a, ga a game called good pizza, great pizza on, on a flight to a conference. And uh, the game was just a game where you make pizza on your phone and different customers walk in. And some of the customers that walk in are just are Muslims. And they don't make no mention of it. There's, they, 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 you know, there's 
all it is is that they walk in and they're Muslims, and if you notice, they're the only ones who don't order pepperoni or sausage, and I thought that was a little, <laughs> nice little touch. That's yeah. the kind of representation that's powerful, that'll make us smile, that'll normalize us. Uh, that's what we're looking for. So Hakan and all the, the fighting game roster uh, and, and Street Fighter are, are good. They are good because they're there and they come from Muslim countries that don't usually get representation. So why the Overwatch is, is better they're better because um, they took the extra step of, of finding the right voice actors or finding like the right symbolism of making them feel uh, a little bit closer to what we want. Uh, are they perfect? No, and that's fine. That's what we'll get there. This is a huge step forward from like 10 years ago or from even five years ago. So we could be patient and we could wait for things to improve, but it's definitely a step in the right that's brilliant. I think I, I love the sound of that Easter egg in Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man on the PlayStation, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to have to give it a go. I think what's wonderful about those little moments is that it's clear the level of research and knowledge that's gone into that little moment. Yes. And I think when Muslims see that, it's like, yes, that's that's completely normal. That's exactly what we would do in real life. Exactly. And you, like you said, you do feel seen. You feel you notice this in movies as well when movies get it right when there's a muslim in the scene and they're praying correctly or they say a thing in a certain way someone on set or someone on the production team clearly knows their stuff exactly or at the very least or actually they could have maybe just hired a consultant maybe nobody there is muslim but you still that's just as good like really that shows that they care and they took the extra step do you think that it's any better in the independent games world than it is with the big studios, the big studios who have budgets for consultants, are they any better than the independents? The honest uh, truth is I believe they have different challenges because uh, the bigger a company is, the more risk averse they are. And uh, that's why the messaging that I usually use for bigger companies is take a chance. Uh, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Don't worry, people will forgive you. Just like try it right for the indies uh, in general they're they're less risk averse for a variety of different reasons there's less at stake so it's understandable but they don't have the budgets necessarily to hire a consultant so they're often uh, ask their friends uh, for you know advice or direction which is good it's not bad but it's also it falls into that trap where it's not a, a trained consultant who uh, it's generally someone who has their own opinions or maybe even, I don't want to say agenda, that's a harsh word, but you know what I mean. Like someone who has one very specific outlook uh, and uh, because of that, it could funnel the kind of representation that you could have into a very, uh, to another type of, of, of stereotype. Uh, it's not a problem. I'm just saying they have different challenges to overcome. And in the end, uh, if both are just willing to take a chances within the means that they have. I think overall it'll, it'll be better. A wider, uh, like a few uh, narrow representations here and there in the NDC together makes for a wide representation. So it's a good thing. And if bigger companies actually, uh, you know, tried harder uh, for representation, and some are, like you, there was a Muslim character in the new Mech Warrior game. There's a Muslim character, I believe, in the new Rainbow Six game. There's Muslim characters were sprouting up here and there. Uh, so things are improving and they're going in that direction. And Spider-Man was by no means a small game and they did it right. So like pay, showing that it is possible and that people are taking these chances. So all in all, I don't think it, it's, uh, it's easy to compare them. I just do think they do have different challenges. At the end of, was it, I can't remember what month it was, last year at one point, 
I got invited to speak at a com- a meetup in London. It was organized by um, Nida yes, Ahmed. Yes, of course. I'm familiar with her from from Twitter. Yes, yes. So Nida Ahmed hosted this discussion on it was people in people of color in play, and she invited the amazing um, Anissa Sanusi from Malaysia. Yes, who was working in the, the in Cambridge at the time, I believe. And also Bahia Khan from South Africa. I've met Bahia as well. She came to Montreal to speak at uh, the Montreal International Game Summit in November. Yeah, both of them are fantastic. They're really yes. great characters, and um, and also me for some reason. And I I I discussed. I was talking about the risk test, but it was really great to hear the discussion around representation of Muslims in gaming because neither Anissa Bahia and myself were all very different quote-unquote types of Muslims so we are not one homogenous group of people who could be characterized by one set of um, you know identity or whatever it is what's interesting you said about the indie games having more license to take risks even you know Bahia she she released a game which was called After Hours yes and it's a it's you know it's a really you know, it's it's a, it's about a young woman who's molested at a young age and suffers from borderline personality disorder. Is that a risk that I mean, quote unquote, risk that a big studio would take? Perhaps not, right? But it takes someone who have lived, who has that lived experience and who can go out and create the art, right? Absolutely. Um, that's why I think a lot of uh, the uh, the indies are paving the way and actually showing the bigger studios which one which of their subjects are less controversial or bigger studios might tackle something like that in a side quest of a big game and uh you know with the with safety gloves uh an indie uh, would be able to take a risk and actually dive deep into it and that's like understandable if you compare like uh, movies for example to video games the big blockbusters are there to give you car chases and explosions and not a thing that's going to really polarize the audience because the intent isn't uh, it's to be mainstream and to appeal to a wider audience uh, while the small indie movies who have who are often under the same big publishers who have smaller budgets uh, they're able to explore uh, different uh, topics that are either more polarizing or more controversial it's it's natural it's normal I don't think there's a need or you uh, to to fight it because uh, most companies big and small talk about business case uh, that's how they make most of their decisions and fighting against a business case my humble opinion is a futile battle I use uh, business case for most of my arguments because I, it yields results even if that's not my personal motivation that's not the point the point is uh, I'm goal oriented goal driven and I'm trying to get um, these things to improve and and so I look at how to achieve that and business cases how you achieve that nine times out of ten am i right absolutely you are 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. money talks right yes exactly it's been fascinating to hear your journey through the industry how you're hopefully moving the dial um through not only by yourself but all these wonderful voices that we have out there who are working tirelessly to move the needle in representation do you have a couple of examples that people that some of our listeners can go out and find which games that 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 represent muslim quite well Yes, uh, I've, I've mentioned a few. Um, for example, the Spider-Man, I think, w- did a great job uh, with just having Hijabis in the audience. Um, Overwatch, uh, the character Anna is exceptional. She is Egyptian. She wears a hijab, um, and she's 
like she is from uh, like you can hear from her accent that she's actually from Egypt which is very important um, and she even speaks in Arabic at certain points which I think is really really strong um, there is uh, there are like there's Farida Manik from uh, Dale Sachs who even though might not have been one of the strongest for, uh, in terms of representation because it's a little bit in your face. It came at a time where nobody was representing Muslims. And because of that, it's, it's still very noteworthy. Uh, and I know you mentioned Assassin's Creed as potentially one of the bad ones, uh, but really the, at the time that the first Assassin's Creed came out, uh, that level of representation of Muslims at all in the game where they were on par in villainy <laughs> with the uh, Christians or, or non-Muslims was revolutionary even at the time. It reminds me of um, uh, the Robin Hood movie, Prince of Thieves, where, yes, um, so uh, what, one of the characters played by Morgan Freeman, uh, at the time, uh, he was the best, like, to, from my knowledge, was the best character uh, in the big Hollywood movie, uh, best Muslim character in a big Hollywood movie. Uh, pains me to say that because he wasn't great <laughs> but for the time it was revolutionary because he, he was on the side of the good guys even though the good guy was a thief who stole money that's not the point like the the robin hood was really the protagonist and uh and uh the uh, the the character was and um, wasn't um like a pillar of Islamic virtue. He actually had, uh, was flawed. It was imperfect. Uh, the only real, uh, that was, that's fine. Like we don't, we're not looking to, to have saints who are Muslims and all these big blockbusters. What we're looking for is just kind of some kind of representation. Any kind of real representation is good. Uh, the only issue is when he bowed down to pray, it clearly was not praying in any Muslim. And that, <laughs> I remember that uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah. That, that really annoyed me to no ends, but still it was forgivable because you have to give credit where credit is due. And the first people to try to do something positive still deserve uh, a call out just for that effort. That's a fair point. I could, I'll take that. That's a fair point. Osama, it's been an absolute delight talking to you and I could go on talking to you for another hour at least. Um, to end with, we ask every guest on the podcast, is there one movie or TV show or in your case, video game that meant a lot to you? And what 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 is that, first of all? And talk us through it. Why did it mean so much to you? So am I allowed to give an answer that's not a movie or a video game? Can I give a comic book? Perfect. Yes. That sounds great. <laughs> For me, it would have to be Miss Marvel. Um, the character Kamala Khan, who discovers that she has powers. She's a teenager, a Pakistani Muslim, uh, growing up in New Jersey. And that character was a character I wish uh, existed when I was in my, my childhood. I wish I grew up reading uh, those books and my kids do read those books if you're if you're wondering if you're asking uh, she it was the most real representation of a Muslim growing up in the West that I've ever seen in any medium ever bar none and I'm not a teenager and I'm not Pakistani and yet I related with her more than any other character period uh, she quickly became my favorite character in fiction and all because she was written by Muslims who understood us and who we are. Uh, and yes, she still counts as a video game character because she was in the Lego Marvel movies and she's going to be <laughs> in the upcoming uh, Avengers game that's going to come out uh, mm -hmm. in a few months. Uh, but primarily, of course, her story is told in, in uh, comic book format. Uh, if you, she's, she's very much human. Um, uh, she's very much Muslim and very much we uh, Western and 
all the same breath. Uh, you get a peek into her life and her relationship with her parents that felt authentic to me. Uh, and even though I had a different upbringing, of course, because, you know, like Arabs and, and Pakistanis are not the same. You know, we have different upbringing, of course, even between Arabs, we're not the same. Uh, yeah. But regardless, um, there are a lot of that immigrant experience uh, commonality that we have that we have in common and there's that growing up Muslim in the West uh, that the, that was told in such an authentic way just her relationship with her imam in the mosque just her relationship with her parents um, it, it really spoke volumes I, I can't I cannot recommend it enough for any Muslim who is interested in, in fiction you know what you, you've chosen the perfect example there it's a i mean i've read i've read i've read the, the the comics it's fantastic and i felt the same way when i read it um i am of pakistani heritage so i mean again you don't have to be from that um you know from pakistani heritage but but there's so much of that experience that that is so close to home i think there's one specific in the in the first comic there was that specific moment where she 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 smells bacon <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> And um, but yeah, let's. Not, I'm not going to spoil it for those who haven't checked it out yet. But check it out, Osama. Thank you so much for joining me. It's. I know that you've been. You've had a full day at work, and you know you must be tired. You want to get home. Yes. If, if there's anything incoherent in my answers, I apologize. It's exactly because I had back-to-back meetings all day today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, and also you need to find out whether it's Ramadan tomorrow or not. Yes, it's the, we're going to find out in maybe about an hour. Well, I'm going to leave you to go out and look out for the moon. And um, it's been a pleasure. And Azama, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And, you know, let's 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 speak again soon. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah.